This podcast is sponsored by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online, mslandbank.com. Whether it's farmland, hunting land, or building that dream home, check out Mississippi Land Bank in North Mississippi and online, mslandbank.com. And by Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point. Stop by the coffee house right on Highway 45 on your way to the game, and you can watch cheesecakes being made. And consider Jubilations for your next fundraiser as well. And also thanks to Elkins Wholesale. Elkins can help your business with janitorial needs, cleaning items, and even laundry needs. When you think clean and efficient, think Elkins Wholesale. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Out-recorded Omaha. Here comes the Bulldog baseball team. And here's a ball in the What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dogpile with Matt Wyatt. I am Brett Hudson coming to you on the 25 and 5 Mississippi State Bulldogs, 5 and 4 in league play. It was, a, uh, if not, it was an entertaining week, to to put it that way, since since we last spoke. Uh, Mississippi State dropped its first weekend series of the year. It took them until late March to do it. Uh, won the first game against LSU 6-5, to then lost the last two 10-5 and 11-2 before a Big Ten football score in the midweek game <laughs> against ULM. 21 to eight somewhere Mark D'Antonio and Kirk Ferentz are just like shaking each other's hands violently and aggressively at the final score of the Mississippi state ULM baseball game. How accurate do you think that is? Matt, is that possible? (laughs) Yeah, sure. It is. Sure. It is. Yeah. That that's possible that that's happening. It's usually for a different reason though. Um, And I know this is a total hypothetical, so I can go with it. Right. So uh, as you can, let's, let's go ahead and start with the, uh, the LSU recap. Cause we've got a, we've got a loaded show for you folks to quickly let you know what you're going to get into. Uh, after the Thursday game against LSU, I got an interview with Justin Foscue for, for the podcast. So you're going to have five or six minutes of, of my conversation with him later on in the show. And after Jake Mangum had about a million hits in that ULM game, <laughs> On Wednesday, we're going to have an extensive update on his record chase. We're going to do all that um, later on in the show. But, of course, we've got some some games and some storylines to to break down. So after that LSU series, Matt, if you, if you may remember, the sky was falling. Yeah. I, I'm mm-hmm. surprised that you and I weren't killed by the clouds and, and stars that were falling. So thus we're able to continue doing this, this podcast by the, the grace of the good Lord. But the sky was falling, and I basically used all of my full count post that uh, that was posted on Monday to kind of uh, walk, work through this, I guess, to work through the first series loss of the season and, and figure out what were legitimate reasons to be disappointed and frustrated and, and what just wasn't. So when you left the uh, the LSU series, mm. what were your reasons to be genuinely frustrated and what were your reasons to just kind of tell people to to back off a little bit and and let a couple more weeks play out and see if these problems continue? Where were where were you pouring gas on the fire and where were you trying to take the fire away from people? Yeah, well, I felt like you know probably the the biggest source of frustration was just not playing clean defense for three days mm-hmm. in a big series, and you know you never know. You never really know what goes into to that. It could just baseball is so quirky. I mean, sometimes, sometimes there can be like a routine looking play to a shortstop. But if you talk to him about it, he might tell you, "Hey, man, I'm not making any excuses, but it took this funny little hop, like it hit something. It just hit something, and you know, it kind of threw me for a loop." Again, no excuses. You got to make the plays. You never really know what goes into it. But it was in the two losses, especially. It was a couple of days where they really kind of kicked the ball around. You know, you saw 
Mangum and Rowdy running into each other in the outfield. And, you know, you, you saw Westberg go and kind of knock it away from Rowdy on a shallow pop-up. There was some luck involved. But they, you know, the, kicking it around a little bit was kind of a, a point of frustration, I think, defensively, number one. And, um, and, and outside of that, you, you know, from a pitching standpoint – it's just frustrating that, hey, the first time that JT Ginn didn't look like, you know, one of the best pitchers in the country, it just so happened to come in game two against LSU. And yep, you know, that's frustrating, too, because, you know, you want him to pitch his best against them. But other than that, it's it's baseball. I mean, I hate to say it, but the thing State can control is they can play better defense. Ain't no doubt they can play better defense and and just be, you know, play cleaner baseball in that regard. They can pitch it a little better. But LSU just played well and put the bat on the ball. And, you know, it's kind of one of those that's baseball things. I, I completely agree. I thought um, uh, you clearly read full count because defense was was the one place where, where yeah. I had some, some disappointment. And the other was Tanner Allen, who's slumping – pretty hard of of late and, and you saw that he got a, a bump down in the lineup in that midweek game and rowdy jordan got bumped up to his uh his previous normal the the number two spot in the lineup before he got bumped down early in the year when he was slumping now rowdy is is hitting well and tanner allen is is slumping so tanner was down in the lineup although he did leave the yard against against ULM so I'm, I'm sure he and the the state fan base at large is hoping that's a that's a slump buster mm-hmm. for him because state could certainly use his his bat in in a high leverage spot in the lineup he's he's an RBI machine when he gets going uh when you have guys like Rowdy and Mangum and Westberg and McNamee all going yeah uh he, he's almost always hey. got somebody on base and when he's when he's hitting the way he normally hits he's He's a guy that can drive in runs at a at a pretty crazy rate, like he did back on that that first weekend. So I, I thought the the lineup uh, changes were were interesting, but it just kind of amplifies the point that we've continued to make about Coach Lamonis and and to a certain extent uh, his his assistants on the hitting side for for this staff, Jake Gotro and Kyle Cheesebro. They they are not afraid to make lineup changes to move people up and down in the order based on how they're hitting it at that point in time and just to pull strings here and there and they're not afraid to do it because they're right almost every single time they do it they got Rowdy going by by moving him down and all the shuffling at the top of the order did nothing to impact the guys that were hitting well up there and now Tanner Allen is slumping a little bit so they just went ahead and moved him right back down and rowdy is is right back up it, it goes to the point that i think you were the one that that first made this point that this this coaching staff they'll shuffle the order mm-hmm. of of the batting lineup with with no hesitation mm-hmm. and and they have no reason to hesitate because it's been working so well for them so far yeah and i think part of it is um the lineup is so good has been anyway for the most part, one through nine. Certainly, you know, those first seven or so spots um, for most of the year has been so good that they don't have to leave a guy up in the lineup just hoping that he has a good day. Does that make sense? Like, if you have a bad line, I've seen it before. A lot of state fans have seen it before on teams that weren't as good at the plate. You might have somebody who had the capability to hit one out of the park, to drive in a run or two, some gap ability and you had to leave him at four or five or six just because, you know, you had to have him there just in case he got hot. You couldn't afford to move him yep. out. Well, they can move people around because you're getting so much consistency, obviously out of Mangum, but other guys like McNamee and, you know, Foscue and Westberg's always hitting the ball hard and driving in runs. And, and, and now Rowdy Jordan's starting to look like himself a little bit. The other point on that I want to say is two things real quick. One, Brett mentioned it. If you listen to this podcast, you need to be aware that Brett does a great job with the written content um, throughout the year. He's the best writer. Um, I'm tooting his horn, but he's the best writer on the Mississippi State beat. And Your check's in the mail, Matt. Yep, and you can find the stuff. If you're listening to this podcast, you are. I promise you, you're going to enjoy it if you haven't discovered it yet. You probably already follow Brett or me on Twitter, so you may have seen it, but at 
mattwyattmedia.com. That's the website, mattwyattmedia.com. And you'll see a blog page. It's the Hudson Report. And he's doing a great job there. And he's got a, a piece called Full Count that's a regular uh, piece throughout the year. So go check it out. So just make sure you you know that he's writing on the website there if you haven't already. The other thing is about Tanner Allen. You saw with Rowdy Jordan, guys, you know, this whole thing of law of averages, you know, you hear that, if you understand that term, the law of averages, the averages are are, are generally going to kind of work themselves out over the course of an entire year. Yeah. The whole Dennis Green, we are who they thought they were idea. In other words, like people and teams and athletes, they, they are what they are. and mm-hmm. And so, take Rowdy Jordan, for instance. Jake Gotro thinks that Rowdy Jordan has the potential to be one of the best hitters in the country. He feels like he's that good, that talented. Okay. Well, and he's a freshman All-American a year ago and a huge part of the success at the end of the year. Well, when he was in that slump, you knew at some point he's coming out of it and he's going to come out of it in a big way because of who he is. Right. So, that's why people didn't really freak out too much about the slump he was in because you knew, it, hey, at some point he's going to bust out in a big way, and he did it against Auburn, and now he looks like himself again. It just works itself out. Listen, the same is true for Tanner Allen, okay? And the thing about Tanner is a lot of it is, you know, he's not – it's not as bad as, like, you know, you might think if you look at his average sitting there at 250 on the year. The thing is, okay, he's very streaky. This year – all of Tanner's hits and RBIs and stuff seem to be coming in bunches. You know, you can look at yes. a, a three-game stretch to start the year where he drove in 13 runs in the first three games. Then he goes cold. All right? Then he comes back and goes hot as he could be into the Florida series. Three hits against Grambling in the midweek and then went four for ten in his first ten at-bats in the Florida series. Then went cold. A couple of hits in the midweek, all this, and then he bust out a two-for-six day and drove in a run with a double in an important game against Auburn. He so, also had two hits in the uh, Southern Miss rubber match. That's right. You know, and was that's exactly right. Uh, went cold in, in there for a couple of games, but that's it. He bust out in the last two against Southern Miss. So he's streaky. They're coming in bunches. And this is what I say. Tanner Allen can bat 250 for the rest of the regular season. And this team can host, okay? That can happen. And if it it does happen, state fans, you're going to be happy because I'm telling you, at some point, the whole average thing, that law of averages deal is going to play out with Tanner, and he's going to be himself. He's going to be what he is. And you might as well hope that it comes in the SEC tournament and in that regional. You want Tanner Allen swinging the hottest bat he's got at the most important time of the year. So don't freak out that he's, you know, popping it up some and not always squaring it up this time of year. You just want him doing it at the end of the year. And and I really mean that sincerely uh, because, you know, he has that capability. It's like a team. You just want them playing their best baseball at the end of the year. And, and so I just wanted to put that out there. Well, I, I, I completely agree with you. And to, to follow up with it, um, and this is, this will be my last point on, on Tanner before we move on to okay. the Jake Mangum record chase. Um, in that, in that full count, uh, Rowdy Jordan was a significant, um, presence in full count for a few weeks there because of the, the hot topic that his slump was towards the end of that slump. I pointed out that his strikeouts were going down early in Rowdy's slump. He was striking out a lot. Like even more than he did last year as a freshman, striking out mm. a lot. And those numbers started to go down, which basically means he's making more contact. And when a truly good hitter like Rowdy Jordan is making more contact, those things are eventually going to lead to hits at the clip that we expect them. And Tanner Allen is following following a very, very similar curve. There is a point and in, in, in this slump where he struck out six times in five games, four times in three games, struck out, I think, five games in a row at one point there. And yeah, he had a couple of strikeouts in one game against LSU. But for the most part, his his strikeout pace is going down. So you can you can see that he's making more consistent contact and 
shortly thereafter in Rowdy's slump, he started getting hits and and came up big in that Auburn series. So I, I really think Tanner Allen is following the same storyline and be it maybe this weekend in Knoxville or or the perfect time he would be uh, in Super Bulldog weekend with 14,000 people in the ballpark three straight days. Tanner Allen's eventually going to have that contact fall for hits. The the regression to the mean will will go in his favor and he'll eventually become that that hitter that Mississippi State fans are, are accustomed to. Maybe his season average will never be as high as we anticipated it would be because of a abnormal prolonged slump like this. But Tanner Allen will be hitting like the Tanner Allen that that we anticipate, or at least that's what the Rowdy Jordan storyline was. And and I'm starting to see some pretty similar things in mm-hmm. in Tanner Allen's uh, slump line as well. So yeah. I, I think I think we've. Do you think we've talked the fan base off the ledge? Do you think we've done it? <laughs> Well, I'm sure. I, 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 if we haven't, then it's on them. We've done our part, right? Yeah that that combined this conversation combined with full count. I think, I think we might have them off the ledge. And if not, mm. with that, we can we can get them feeling good again with an extensive update on Jake Mangum. Let's take a time out for a word from our sponsors. Back after this. We do more than make a living off the land in North Mississippi. We live for the land too. We live for an early morning duck hunt, time spent in a deer stand, a day of fishing, and the outdoor life. For more than 100 years, Mississippi Land Bank has been a great hunting partner for recreational land lovers. By helping to finance the land they set their sights on, we know what a hunter loves and the lay of the land in North Mississippi. And that's where I stand. You can find Jubilation's Cheesecakes in North Mississippi Kroger's and in other stores, including locations throughout the Golden Triangle. Look for Jubilation's products and support Great Bulldogs. You'll notice the quality and the flavor the second you take your first bite. And they make wonderful mail-order gifts as well. Check them out at jubilations.com or stop by and see them in West Point right on Highway 45. So we did this. This was probably going into SEC play or maybe yeah. uh, after that Florida series where he had a good uh, series. We w- we did an extensive update on Jake Mangum and his chase and, and the record books. And every every time he hits a benchmark or ties a, a benchmark, I tweeted out, and I'm, I'm on top of it. That's my brand now. I am, <laughs> I am the official Jake Mangum beat writer. Um, but here on the podcast, we'll, we'll go extensive and do even, even more with it. So he had five hits. In the midweek game against ULM, that is the fourth time he's had five hits in a single game. Let, let that rattle around your brain for a second. Yeah. Uh, but now he has 333 career hits, which is good for sixth outright in SEC history and one behind fifth, Alabama's Taylor Duga. He's only two behind Jeffrey Ray, who holds the Mississippi State school record and is fourth in SEC history. So when he comes back from Knoxville, he'll likely be the Mississippi State record holder and fourth in the SEC. He would need eight hits in Knoxville to join the two-way tie for second in SEC history. So that's not likely, uh-huh. but also not impossible. He did just have five hits in one game. Do with that what you will. What's really impressive is Jeffrey Ray got his 335 hits in 998 at-bats, but Jake currently sits at 333 hits and 911 oh, goodness. at-bats. So, wow. I know. So so by the time Jake gets that 998th at-bat, it's not out of the question to say Jake could be as far as 25 hits mm-hmm. ahead of yeah. the previous Mississippi State record holder and the dude who is currently in fourth in SEC history. Isn't that nuts? Yes. That is it's, it's that incredible. Is um yeah. A couple of Twitter questions on Mangum's other record chases. Someone asked about the NCAA hits record. The record book I found says it's 418 set by Wichita State's Phil Stevenson from 1979 to 1982. Uh, He did it in 288 games. Mangum has played 225. If this team makes another deep Omaha run and Jake plays every day, he'll probably end somewhere in that neighborhood of 265 games the way I put it on Twitter is he would basically have to hit this way through a deep Omaha run to have a chance which means hitting 417 for another two months 
So let's let's wait a few more weeks until we really start turning our attention towards the possibility of the uh, national career hit record. There's also the career games record at Mississippi State. Shouts to Papa Crawdad for <laughs> asking this question on Twitter. The record is Burke Masters is 251. Jake now has 225. Assuming no games are lost and Jake plays every game, he'll tie that record in the regular season finale and break it with the first game in Hoover. Uh, Jake also has 50 career stolen bases. That was a, a number he hit in that ULM game. The school record is 79 set by Mike Kelly. So that's pretty unlikely, but he's got 50 and Brad Winkler is in third with 60. So he, he might kind of creep his way into that. Definitely top five, probably into that top three area. If, if all goes well for Jake and then career doubles, Jake has 63, He's third in school history. Richard Lee is in second with 66, and Travis Chapman is in first with 71. So that that second place is is almost certain to happen, mm-hmm. and and that first place is is not out of the stretch of imagination for for Jake to hit there. He's also, if I do some quick math here, he's probably about 50 runs scored behind the the Mississippi State record holder, which is Day Dan Van Cleve from from eighty one to eighty five. Um so by a uh, real shock to know that by <laughs> the end of his career at Mississippi State, his name is going to be all over yeah. these Mississippi State record books and it's about to be all over the the SEC one too. It's just incredible. And let me let me pile on some more stats. I think I did this last time we got talking about Jake and you know, to me, the way that I'm looking at these particular stats I'm about to rattle off to you, it speaks to consistency. Okay, so we know, right? Yep. Overall, we know how consistent Jake Mangum is because we've seen every game he's played. We know you don't break these kinds of records and set these kinds of records without being ultra consistent. It's just this kind of illustrates it for, for some people. It's just a different way to look at it. All right, so here it is. This season alone, State has played 30 games now. Last night against ULM, their 30th game of the year. Mangum has multiple hits in 19 of those 30 games. <laughs> All right. So it, not just hits. Okay. Not just hits. That's not what we're talking about. No. He has multiple hits in 19 of the 30 games. Okay. Here's another one for you. He he has a hit in 26 of the 30 games they've played this year. <laughs> so I'm looking at this. If I'm looking at it right, four times all year long, has he gone out there as the starting center fielder and not come away with a hit? It's only happened four times all year. And the last time it happened that he went hitless in a game was the third game of the Florida series back on wow. March the 16th. Yeah. Okay. So – that speaks to his hitting streak then. If that was the last time he went hitless against uh, Florida, let me count it right. I'm, I'm almost certain that I've counted this up correctly. Yes. He's on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10-game hit streak. Right? He's on a 10-game yes, hitting 10 streak. Yes, 10 games. 10 games. In that 10-game hit streak, Oh no. eight of the 10 games he has multiple hits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so Jeez. he went five for six against Little Rock. It's it's funny, he's bookended this with midweeks that he went five for six in. His hitting streak at this point, he started it by going five for six against Little Rock, and last night he went five for six against ULM. But he's five for six against Little Rock. He went three for five against Samford, one for five, four for six, and two for five against Auburn two for six against Valley, and then against LSU goes one for five in the first game, two for five, two for five in the last two, and then last night was three for five with three ribbies and scored three runs. All right? So, I don't – I mean, I don't know. Those stats to me, it's just unbelievable that in 19 of the 30 games this year, he has multiple hits. And and here's the thing. All right? He has two games this year – with five hits, that means he has four games this year with four or more hits. He has that means he has seven games this year 
where he's gotten three or more hits. Seven out of the 30 games, he's got three or more hits. Um, doubles, all right? So he's he's potentially, you said it, he's potentially in line for a record in doubles. Well, think about mm-hmm. it this way. He's hit a double in 11 of the 30 games they've played this year. He's gotten wow. a double. And in three of the games this year, he has multiple doubles. <laughs> I mean, there's so many stats upon stats piling up. Okay, so hold on, hold on, hold ridiculous. on. He has four games where he's gone hitless, uh-huh. but three games in which he has multiple doubles. Yes, two doubles. Get out of here. He, he's got – he hit two doubles uh, in the second game of the year against Youngtown, Youngstown State. He had two doubles against Jackson State, and he had two doubles in the Florida series, the first of that doubleheader, the, the, the clinching, the day they clinched. He had two doubles, ridiculous. but he, but in that game against Florida where he had the two doubles, he also had a home run. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's stupid. It's just stupid is what it is. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Well, we haven't. I mean, literally, we're the record books are going to reflect that here pretty soon. We've never seen anything like it. This is preposterous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. So, so. Yeah, I'm going to tweet that here in a minute. Uh, yes, please. I, do. I'm going to tweet that's it. Fantastic. That we um, recorded and speaking of, oh, so so I have one more number on Jake Mangum's consistency before we go to the interview with Justin Foskey. I just I just uh, did the number. So this is my third season uh, covering Mississippi State baseball. So from the time I got here until now, Mississippi State has played 165 baseball games. Mm. Jake Mangum has played in 164 of them. Wow. The one game he missed was the Super Bulldog weekend of 2017 when he broke his hand against Kentucky. He missed the midweek game against Mississippi Valley State. The fall, So he finished this weekend series with a broken hand and then missed that, uh, that midweek game and then played all three games of the ensuing weekend series against South Carolina and then every game for the rest of that season, playing it with with a hand on the mend, as as many remember. So that's just it's just wild that I've I've been on the beat for 165 Mississippi State baseball games and he's played in 164 of them. That's just it's incredible. Speaking of consistency, there's a segue for you. Justin Foskey has been exactly that. Through 30 games, he's hitting 344. He's slugging 632, which would be best in on this team if not for that pesky character named uh, Jordan Westberg. Let me quickly see where that is in the SEC. It is seventh in the SEC uh, as we're recording this Thursday morning. Um, nine doubles on the year for for Justin Foskey and nine homers. He's been he's been incredible. So after he hit two home runs in that Thursday game over L- Thursday game against LSU, the the one win of the series. I got a few minutes with with Justin Foskey. Here's our conversation. The way you're hitting right now, is this the most fun you've had playing baseball? Yeah, I think this is the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. In high school, I had some, I hit some homers, but at this level and hitting some homers, it's a lot of fun. And playing for the number two team in the country, it's it's, it's a dream come true. We're talking to you right after the the Thursday game against LSU. You have two homers. You say you've never done that before. Even going back to high school, summer league ball, never yeah. gone twice, gone yard twice. Hit in two home game. runs in the same game. Ever. How about that? To do it against LSU. It's awesome. That's, that, that's awesome. What's responsible for this? You mentioned some some bat playing stuff in there, but you, you also just look stronger. What what's responsible for this power surge out of you right now? Um I I, I would give a lot of credit credit to the coaches because they noticed something in the fall that I really didn't notice and nobody had told me in my life before. Um and they told me to I needed to get more separation in my hands. Um and we worked on it a lot, and um, once it clicked, it, I kind of felt it, and I started turning on balls more than I ever have. Because personally, I know I have a lot of power. I just I was really wondering why I never had used it before. Yeah, I think they they kind of helped me out with that because in BP now BP now I'm hitting some balls out, and um, last year I just never did that. So I would give a lot of credit to those cheese goat limb. They noticed it first. And walk, walk us through separation in, in the hands. What, what do you mean by that? Um, 
well, like last year, before right before I would hit the ball, my hands were kind of close to my head, um, so I kind of my plane wouldn't be going like directly. Okay, to so it. so the bat's higher than than it probably should be. Yeah. So I, you lower it and you can get more underneath the ball. Well, and through it's it. not about lowering, but just like away from my body. Okay. So then it could go directly to it instead of here or. Yeah, close to no, my head is kind of no, like I get you're it. going around instead of directly to it. Yeah, it, it's and further back. Balls. It, it's yeah. further back, and it's more direct to it, so I don't miss balls. Yeah, now it's more flat. The bat is more flat through the zone. That that makes sense, and that's that's kind of what you're hearing a lot in the majors yeah. right now with the launch angle revolution and yeah. all that. I know the coaches were the ones that brought that to you. Do you think that was inspired by by that? Do you have any inkling uh, as to that was the I case? I don't know if they're big on the launch angle part. I just think that they want me to have yeah. be more direct to the ball and have a flatter plane yeah. to have the best chance of hitting the ball square. Um, yeah, it's – I don't know if it's a – I'm not a big launch angle guy, so I don't yeah. know. I just think if I, I have a natural up kind of swing, so if I'm thinking – being direct, my plane, my plane's naturally going to be up. Yeah, and you went straight from Omaha to summer ball, right? Mm-hmm. Where'd you play summer ball? I played summer ball in Amsterdam with the Amsterdam. Mobiles. No, you did not. I did. Do you play in Glens Falls? I, I don't know if I played at Glens Falls. I remember playing Glens. Falls. I worked in Glens Falls for a year and a half, really? right out of college. I've been to that, that Amsterdam, that all turf field. Right? It's, is it still is all turf? I've, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of fun. They've, they've got the the signs, the no sunflower seeds, oh, yeah. right? Cause it's they it's all up there. Loves their baseball. They do. But you played at Vandy in the Super Regional. That was all turf too. So oh, you probably yeah. you probably yeah, got used to that. That's that's wild. Okay, that's that's beside the point. The point the point is you went straight from Omaha to Summer Ball. Yeah. So how do you make those swing changes and adjustments? And when in the calendar year do you kind of reprogram your swing? I that think way? in the fall. Okay. I think you can't really can't change your your swing when you're going into Summer Ball because you're working with so many different coaches. Um, you're running around. You not really have time on your own to work on your swing. You're just playing games, mm-hmm. and it's tough to just really go in the cage. You're on the field and just work by yourself, getting just trying to get better. But yeah, I. I would say making or getting better in the fall, you'd have the most time doing that. And and last year you were listed at 197. This year it's 201. Was that an intentional choice or is that something that just kind of – I've always been around 195 to 210. Okay. I got up to 215 in the fall, put on some muscle, and I purposely wanted to lose some weight because I was getting a little chunky. (laughs) I I was – I lost a little body fat. Okay. started eating the right thing. So, yeah, I've gained a lot more muscle – yeah, um, it's it's four pound difference, but I have a lot more muscle this year, and I'm maintaining it. Credit that to Coach Diders because he's done a good job of maintaining that strength so far this season. Yeah, it's only four pounds on the roster, but the amount of muscle and the amount of fat—that's yeah. where the significant difference yeah. is. It's probably more than four pounds. Yeah, in that regard. Okay, so so rapid fire personal questions, just to let the people get to know you a little bit. Okay. Top three pie flavors. Pie flavors. Pie flavors. I'm a big pie guy, but I'd probably go. Uh, I like chocolate pie, okay. apple pie, and I don't know. I don't know what other pies are there. Look, I'm there's only two. That's guy. fine. Yeah, let's yeah. go with those. Favorite visiting venue you've played in? LSU. Why? It's LSU. <laughs> fair. Fair enough. Mario Party character of choice and why? Say that again? Mario Party character of choice and why? Luigi. Uh, why? I don't know. Just because? Just because. It's Fair. Crazy. As long as it's not Peach. I've got a buddy that plays with Peach, <laughs> and he's super annoying. Okay. Childhood video game you were best at? MLB The Show. Any year in particular? No, I'm still good at it now. <laughs> I'll take anybody in the game right now. Rank yourself in the locker room amongst – MLB The Show? Yes. One. Is that is that Came a – Came out Tuesday. <laughs> That's I'm, true. I'm ranked number one, and it'll be the show. Is that a is that a commonly known thing? Like would everyone yeah, they're else? About to, they're about to find out when we get the game in here. <laughs> I'm assuming that's going to happen pretty it's soon. It's going to happen soon, but when they when they get the game in here, they're going to realize I'm the best. So that that was fun there at the end to to get into some nonsense questions with with Justin. But let's let's bring it back to baseball with with these three bits and and react to these as you as you please, Matt. First, that bit about the hands being back. I want to try to illustrate that a little bit better. I thought Justin did a pretty good job given the visual thing on a, uh, audio platform, but I want to try it a little bit, a little bit better since we don't have a necessarily a time limit sure. here. Imagine you're in a batting stance. Okay. Now place your hands near your chin, then take your hands to the ball to hit a belt high pitch. <laughs> it's, 
it's going on a downward path, right? It, very much so. It's almost tomahawkish, right? Mm-hmm. Now get back in that stance and move the hands back, as in closer to the catcher. Make that swing again to a belt high pitch, and you'll notice your path to the ball is flatter. It's much closer to a horizontal line relative to the ground, which gives you a better chance of striking the bottom half of the baseball, thus a better chance to lift it. And as Foskey has done a bunch of times this year, lift it right out of the ballpark. Uh, second, also that that bit about Foskey saying the fall was the time to make these changes. Coach Lamona said Foskey did not have a good fall. Lamona mm-hmm. told him point Blake at the end of the fall, you don't scare me when you hit. And, and Foskey was pretty mad when when he heard that. So he worked on that swing change all winter. He came back for the preseason in January, and the coaches say – it only took one or two practices for them to realize that this is a new guy. This is an entirely new swing. And and third, and this is kind of, pardon the pun, but inside baseball, I just found this part interesting. Coach Lamona said he leads all the swing stuff to Jake Gotro. And I, I found that interesting because with three hitting guys on this staff this year with uh, Cheesebro, Gotro, and Lamonis, I was curious how they would split those duties, how they would split the brain trust and and things like that. And hearing that bit from coach Lamonis was, was interesting because it also helps us direct credit for what we're seeing from, from Foskey right now. And, and Justin deserves a lot of credit for, for making the swing changes and making the body changes to put himself in, in this position to hit for power like this, but also Gotro deserves some, some credit for, for getting Justin as far in, this uh in this swing chat in this swing changes as he currently is so what do you what do you think on that uh soliloquy of mine well um it's all incredibly interesting to me you know the the things that the these highly paid professionals and and a guy like foscu who's soon to be a highly paid professional you know the the thing the little teeny tiny adjustments here and there and things that they think of but but it's not just a guy like Gotro and Foscu or somebody finding something, you know, with their mechanics in the box to work on, it's being able to then implement it against 94 mile an hour pitching. You know, <laughs> and I'm, that's the thing to me. I, I mean, where, because the challenge a lot of times as a coach and as a player, Brett, in any sport is to not overthink. You still have to let your ability always kind of take over. There's got to be a natural thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, for instance, like if I go paralysis by analysis, absolutely let that happen to you. Absolutely. Like if you, if you use the analogy of a quarterback and a throwing motion, Mm -hmm. I mean, how, how often and how many times did somebody work with Tim Tebow on his throwing motion? Right. And ultimately it's what bounced him out of the NFL because he just could not be a consistent passer because he, he threw, you know, like a left-handed catcher coming up to throw somebody out at second base. I, you, you know, and it's not going to work. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can work on it all you want to, but it's little bitty things here and there, and you're ultimately not going to change who somebody is. And so I'm always fascinated by the coaching aspect of it, how they implement it, and all that kind of stuff. And then the other thing, you know, Foscu to me, what impresses me is this whole story of his own evaluation making him mad and motivating him to get after it. I have a great appreciation for that, for that. I can understand it because over the course of my life and in, you know, playing sports and stuff and playing in college, anger, I, I always could use it to my advantage. You know what I mean? <laughs> if mm-hmm. I, and, and it looks like he um, and baseball is a tough sport to do that. Baseball is not like football. And football, like a lot of times, the madder you get, the better you play. And like in baseball and golf and stuff, it's usually the opposite. Yep. But he um, he used that as a motivating moment. He got bigger in the weight room, big and strong, and is making these adjustments. You know, and I watch him. He can hit the ball to all fields. You know, he definitely can do that. But golly, how how do you confidently throw him a pitch on the inside part of the plate? You know, I he's got all this protection around him. There's guys on base, so they're having to hit the strike zone, so he's getting opportunities. But, man, I'd pitch him away every time. It'd be outside part of the plate and hope because if you leave it in, he's going to hit it out of the ballpark. 
Yeah, you, you pitch inside to Justin Foscue if you just really, really want to give up a homer. I know. That's I know. that's when you pitch inside to Justin Foscue. He's been he's just been awesome. And and I, I liked your point about just how the little things in, in baseball can make all the all the difference in the world. That's that's one of the reasons I I love this sport. It's just it's almost inexplicable uh, unless you get situations like this one where we're granted the opportunity opportunity to to get Justin Foskey one-on-one for a few minutes and really pick his brain on it and and figure it out unless you get a rare instance like that where you get that access and the player is actually pretty forthcoming and intelligent and uh, able to communicate well a lot of these things are just mysteries like guys can pop up out of nowhere and become fantastic after being uh, average or even worse and there's really little to no explanation for it. That's just baseball. And the opposite can happen too. Great guys can can fall off the face of the earth for for seemingly no reason. But the fact that we were able to explain something with with Foskey was was a lot of fun. I'm glad that that we were able to do it. And I, I also thought that part about changing his body was was interesting. And that's what I don't think people. I, well, actually, I think people are starting to figure this out a little bit, but the, the weight number, the change doesn't have to be as drastic as 10 or 15 pounds to make a big difference. These, these strength and conditioning coaches these days, they don't feel the need to make someone stronger by just adding 15 pounds on them at any cost and assuming that that extra weight is going to create extra leverage and, and uh, achieve the desired effect they add the right weight on onto these guys. So Justin Foscue can only add four pounds from his listed weight last year to his listed weight of this year, but it's the wholesale body change. It's the, it's the taking away. Uh, I mean, in this situation, and this isn't like reported info, this is just guessing. This is probably taking away six pounds of fat and adding 10 pounds of muscle. So yes, the net is only plus four, but those are two incredibly different athletic bodies and I, I think the results show right now it was it was interesting to hear that and I, I hope that more and more people come to understand that that these athletic bodies they don't they don't require the massive changes that they used to anymore four or five pounds can can make a big difference if it's the right four and five pounds and, and Justin Foskey is living proof of that as we speak yeah it is all right and and so I just tweeted it a minute ago uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comparison here for you again. It's really good timing on your Justin Foscue interview. So we've been going on about Mangum, his chase for history, and the stats on Mangum. I just tweeted that um, he has multiple hits in 19 of their 30 games this year. He's got this 10 game hit. So he's so he's got multiple hits in eight of the last 10. Mangum does multiple hits in eight of the last 10. Foscue has multiple hits in eight of the last 12 games all right so Foscu, a power hitter has been putting the ball in play safely basically at almost at the same rate that Mangum is doing it now given though it's a little different in that Mangum's got a couple of five hit games in there but we say multiple hits so Mangum multiple hits in eight of the last 10 Foscu multiple hits in uh, eight of the last 12 all right he has a hit, though, in 10 of the last 12 games for State, so he's been really hot. And in that stretch over the last 12 games, that is if you go back to the start of the Florida series, Foscue has 15 RBIs, five doubles, and four home runs. In in that amount of time, to go along with multiple hits in eight of the 12 games. Um, he um, He's one of the hottest hitters in the country right now is what he is. Power hitters. It's un- it's undeniable. I mean, he's uh, as as we said, we're recording this Thursday morning, and and these stats up Thursday morning. He's seventh in the SEC in slugging percentage. He's slugging six thirty two. Uh, his nine doubles are just outside of the top ten, and in the SEC, and his nine homers are tied for third in the SEC. JJ Bladé at Vandy has twelve. Jacob Olson at South Carolina has eleven. Thomas Dillard at Ole Miss and Justin Foscue here at Mississippi State have nine. Um, it's he's he's one of the best power hitters in 
in the nation. He gets to take that show to Knoxville this weekend. Let's quickly uh, pre- uh, let's quickly preview that series before sure. before we get at it. if if weather does not intervene. Um, this series will be a, these are central times, by the way, uh, even though the, the games are in Eastern time, right? Is it Knoxville in Eastern time? Um, they might be Eastern. Yeah, they're Eastern. I think so. Okay. So, uh, to, in Knoxville, these are central times, five thirty Friday, five Saturday, one Sunday, all of those games on sec network plus, um, or at least that's according to Tennessee's website um tennessee very average in terms of of hitting like I- incredibly average seventh in the sec and batting average eighth in slugging sixth and on base um tenth in run scored so that's a little low um but pitching is where this team really shines third in era 2.91 Second in opposing batting average, two oh nine. That's that's really really impressive. Seventh in uh in strikeout. So they just they just don't give up hits, and and their pitching has been really really good this year. That's where that's where I think this is going to be a very interesting uh, series. Garrett Stallings is is a big weapon for Mrs. for Tennessee on the pitching side. He has a two point one seven ERA entering this and he's done it through 45 and two-thirds innings which is tied for third uh in the sec he's pitched pitched, pitched. that garrett stallings has pitched 45 and two-thirds innings this year ethan small has thrown 41 Mm. so he's he's holding 2.17 era over a sample size even bigger than than ethan smalls today and and jt gins at 40 he's he's thrown more innings than than both of mississippi state's fantastic starters so that's going to be Really, really to, to watch for what I'm assuming is the Friday night game uh, with Garrett Stallings on the mound. That's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun, and that's where this this series is ultimately gonna be. Is Tennessee is is a team that can hit to a certain extent, but they win games by by pitching. So if Mississippi State can rough them up a little bit, then they should look pretty good in this series. Yeah, well, and you know Tennessee is just they're better. You got to go up there. They got a really good RPI, I think, at this point in the year. They they have pitched it well. That's the thing, you know, the hitting thing kind of ups and down and comes around and goes around and stuff for like teams throughout the year at the plate, just depending on who you're facing. But but the pitching thing, they've been pretty consistent right there. The early part of the year, throughout most of the non conference, you know, Tennessee had the number one. They were like for most of those first fifteen to or 18 or so games of the year, um, they were like the only SEC team with a sub one ERA as a staff for a long yeah. time. So they're they're confident they'll play well at home. It's not going to be easy at all. And what I would say is, again, because of their RPI, and I haven't looked at the rest of their schedule, but they've already got Vandy in there. They're going to play a lot of these other SEC teams. RPI is in good shape. That's going to be a team that, you don't have to go up there, frankly, for to protect your RPI and your resume for State to be able to host at the end of the year. State does not have to win two out of three of this series for it to actually be fine and dandy come resume time, you know, um, at, at this point in the year. Now, State should win two out of three. If State plays well, they should win two out of three I agree. up there. So I, agree. I, I can say that with confidence. Yeah, I, I agree. And to your point about the uh, the ERA to start, they had they gave up what? Let's see, they gave up five combined runs in their first eight games of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's salty. Now, salty. In yeah. SEC in SEC play, they started getting swept by Auburn, uh, three low scoring games, two zero, five two, five three. But they took a series against South Carolina and then dropped a series against Vanderbilt. But Vanderbilt is uh, what are they number? They're top ten, right? If not top five, right yeah, now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's no shame in, and frankly, taking one on the road against Vandy was probably a pretty big moment for, yeah, for this team. So they started started rough by being swept at Auburn, but then took a series against South Carolina and took one on the road against against Vandy. So this is a team that pitches at a borderline elite level. And and Mississippi State's got to find a way to solve that. They did it against Auburn. That's a team that pitches at an elite level, and they 
they found a way to solve that one. I don't think we're going to get a 20 to 15 game in mm. this series, but maybe we will. Who knows? Who knows? It's going to be a fun weekend around the SEC. You've got yeah. uh, Arkansas Auburn is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you get TV for that one uh, tonight. Um, and so that series is going to be interesting. Speaking of that Auburn team, you know, that's that's an Auburn team that to begin the SEC season swept Tennessee in Auburn. Now, they were all low-scoring games, but that's how the SEC season began for this Tennessee team was at Auburn, lost 2 to nothing, 5-2, to two, and 5-3, to three, and then came back, won the South Carolina series. So this, this being a home deal, two out of the first three series for Tennessee were on the road at Auburn and then last yeah. week at Vandy. So don't think for one minute that the – the boys in orange up there aren't really excited to host state because they are. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that Arkansas Auburn series. It's, it's a fun weekend around the league, Vandy and Georgia. Vandy goes to Georgia for, for a series this weekend. That's a wow. big moment for Georgia yeah, to prove themselves. Cause this is, this isn't what we normally see from Georgia. Georgia isn't normally this good, but they've been, They've been solid. I think they're top 10 right now. I don't have the rankings in front of me, mm-hmm. but they took a series against Kentucky. They took a series against LSU and they swept South Carolina. They're off to a heck of a start in, in SEC play and, and playing that well against Vandy at home would be uh, a significant development for them because they come to Starkville uh, the last weekend of April. Uh, so keep an eye on Georgia this weekend as they host Vandy. There's also uh, Texas A&M has a fun series with LSU, and then Florida is at Ole Miss uh, for, for a big series. So there's there's a lot of good a lot of good on good going around in, yeah. in the SEC uh, this weekend. I'm trying to quickly see if any of those games are scheduled to be on big TV. Yeah, uh, Florida Ole Miss is going to be on SEC Network on Saturday. Texas A&M LSU is going to be on ESPN two, so you'll get the you'll get a pretty easy way of access to those series. And then Vandy Georgia is going to be on SEC Network on Sunday. So mm. when you're when you're working your uh, baseball viewing schedule around Mississippi State Tennessee, there's some pretty good ball in the SEC to check up on while while you wait. No doubt, good stuff, Brett. As always, appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Yep, that's Brett Hudson. I'm Matt, and uh, you're listening to Dogpile, Mississippi State Baseball Podcast. Thanks and tip of the cap to fine sponsors, Mississippi Land Bank. Scream it with me. Go to mslandbank.com if you have a land need in North Mississippi, period. End of discussion, mslandbank.com. Also, thanks to Jubilations Cheesecake. If you're headed to the game with a new dude anytime soon, stop in right there, the coffee house and Jubilations Cheesecake. The plant right there on Highway 45 in West Point. You can have goodies and coffee and watch the cheesecake being made and top right there on your way in. They're good Bulldogs. And remember them next time for your fundraiser. And we will see you next time on Dogpile. Dogpile.